Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership. Join us to explore lessons in leadership that demonstrate how you can live in the center of God's will. All right. Hey, it is great to have Pastor Jason Britt with us from Bethlehem Church, uh, just up the road. Yes. And uh, Jason's a good friend and, Absolutely. And, uh, and somebody that I really admire. So it's good to have you on the show. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So, hey, listen, so on, on this show, we kind of explore the idea, uh, obviously called the joy of leadership, but right. we, we really kind of explore this idea of how our callings yeah. uh, really can be any vocation. Absolutely, we kind of have a little bit easier ride to that to that story, just because we're we're kind of like you know full time ministry sure. guys. But but on the show, we really explore that idea of of what it is to have a calling versus a job, and how that kind of impacts our path. Right. You know, right uh, in there, I always like to kind of hear about people's journeys. So sure. we, we take take me back to kind of the beginning, would you? And and, and tell me a little bit about what it looked like for you to get into the this sure. ministry. Sure. Uh, what that early path was before we came on air. We were talking a little bit about your connection here with Hebrew. Yeah. And I know yeah. that you both you and your daddy. Yeah. And your brother. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all associated yeah. with the place back in the day. Back in the day. You know. So yeah. take take me back yeah. there a little bit. I mean, it's funny being back pulling back through Decula. My roots are Decula, and obviously it's twenty five years ago so 30 years ago that's a different decula than now right. um, but uh, my dad was in ministry and I'm one of those pastor's kids that uh, actually loves the church and my dad did it right um, he loved the church he loved his family more than the church uh, he lived out his calling and so I saw it play out in front of me and uh, saw what God did in the late 80s early 90s as kind of my elementary, middle school, and then I graduated late 90s in high school. And so it was at Decula. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, just saw it play out in front of me. And truthfully, my calling was really forged in tragedy. My mother uh, got cancer while mm -hmm. I was in high school. So for two years uh, of high school, you're really wrestling with, is my faith my faith or is my faith my father's faith? Mm -hmm. And and I think for a lot of students, a lot of teenagers, a lot of college students, their faith for many, many years is the faith of their family. Right, like a vicarious faith. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not that they're against it. It's just never become personal. And so you watch your mom wrestle with and ultimately die of cancer when I was a junior in high school. You begin to, like, you know, what do I believe? Like, um, my father's faith wasn't enough. I had big questions of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I had big questions of life. I had big questions of why. And it was in those questions that the Lord really began forming my calling um, to the ministry. How, so, how old were you when you felt like like that, the inception? I felt, I felt uh, you know, eighth or ninth grade, I felt like mm. there may be this this. You know, I I was kind of young. I don't. I think somebody that young can be called a ministry. I don't know. I just knew right. there was something more. I received Christ in my middle school years, um, where I understood the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, stepped into following Jesus late in my middle school, high school, or early high school years. I sensed something. Didn't know what it was, but I would say my senior year of high school, it really became. Um, knowing it was God calling mm -hmm. me to ministry. So that, that was my early years, Just and it was really tragedy. It was real hurt. And in that, finding the beauty of the gospel, in that finding that you when you're 17 and 18, James, and you have to ask big questions of God and big questions of life, God matures you in a way. Mm. So I've always been... Uh, my path is maybe being entrusted with a little more at a younger age than some people are. Uh, and I think that it was formed in tragedy and hurt. You know, you really begin to go, this matters in life, this doesn't. The 80s and 90s, were they were, they were kind of hard times for, for churches, really. Yes. Uh, you know, you kind of had that health and wealth gospel yes. mindset that was playing yes. out really across across the country. Yes. Uh did that ever impact you, like during that period of time, or was that experience with mom was that so much greater than anything? Yeah, that was that was that was the defining. Uh, you know, I wasn't aware. You live kind of in a bubble. This is before the internet age, mm -hmm. you know, and so all I knew at my at the time, my dad was the number two guy at Hebron during those years. Uh, all I knew was Hebron. Right. You know, right. Um, and and so I didn't. I thought every church was like that. Right. Uh, so I, you didn't have really a perspective on on that. I, I know that it was really that's kind of the 
golden years of the church growth movement, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, right. if you will. <clears throat> and whether it was Seeker or Mega or whatever it was, those churches. But I got to be, when there was a few hundred people at Hebron to a few thousand, I got to see it. Right, under Larry Witt. Under Larry, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you just smelt it, you tasted it, you felt it, and you just thought that's what, I mean, I just thought that's what the church was. Right. You know, every church was like this. I didn't know. I didn't. There wasn't enough perspective on the Big C Church at the time, not because uh, it was just uh, I was seventeen, eighteen. Sure. You know? And Decula was a very different place. Whoa, I mean, it, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. now it kind of feels like uh, yes. on the outskirts of Atlanta. Uh, but yes. during that period of time, it did not. Yeah, yeah. Like I pulling through the, today past the high school. And that's where I played football at. And then just coming through here. And, again, back in the day, Winder and Decula were, like, not a big deal apart. Now it's two different worlds. Not mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. but it's just two different communities, right. you know. Uh, and so it was just super cool to see uh, and even seeing what the school's done. But, yeah, so much of my roots – and I can remember, funny enough, James, playing capture the flag on this property <laughs> late at night. Like, I, like they, were, they had to capture the flag on this property right here, way before all these buildings and football right. field. When my uh, sons have played, like, uh, Little League football up here, I've told them, I was like, oh, man, we used to run around. Uh, and so it's super cool to see that. But my journey was called In Tragedy, and, and I had such a good experience in the church. I just had no reason to – you know, the word now is deconstruct. Sure, right. I, you know, I had big questions of God, but I never was mad at the church. I never was mad at, at ministry or pastor. And a lot of kids whose parents were in ministry, they have a different story, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, I, and listen, I'm the son, son of a pastor as well. Sure. And, and you know, I always saw such an authentic faith from my parents that sure. I, I, I always saw them as great examples. I, 100%. Now, I will say when I was going through most of my, most of my teen years, you know, I really struggled with faith. And it was really more because I saw, like my favorite word is frankly the favorite word of still kids today, but hypocrisy. Like I saw hypocrisy and I just, I love to point it out, you know, yeah. as though there wasn't any in the guy sure. in my mirror, you sure. know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that can sometimes jade people. I was blessed too to have such a good example. My parents were the same people, whether it was Sunday yeah. or Monday, you yeah. know. And that meant a lot to me. Like I really saw that authentic faith, yeah. you know. And I can say, like I said, I stand on the shoulders of, uh, my dad, uh, Larry, you mentioned him. I mean, saw the same thing. And, and so I just never, I love the church. I love what the church could do uh, as far as a force for good in the community. Mm-hmm. And obviously, more importantly, the, this beautiful picture of the gospel playing out people's lives mm-hmm. and just seeing people change by Jesus. And when the baptism waters are moving, my heart is stirring. And so right. all of those things were formed early on for me. I, I love just the kind of the history of this organization, which again, yeah. your family's a keen part of, uh, just that they, they were willing to risk like yeah. the, the idea of them even doing this property, the idea yeah. of them starting a school, just the, the, the risks that they were willing to take for the gospel, Larry really being kind of the quarterback of that situation. Sure. sure. But, uh, but your dad, I mean, yeah. I've, I've heard stories of your dad, all of them great. Yeah. Uh, you know, just even in the three years that I've sure. been here. And, and really standing on the shoulders of, of men who were willing to risk greatly for the kingdom. Yeah, and, and and I just saw that as normal. Right. So that's part of my DNA. And so when Pretty people great goes, incubator, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just saw that's what you do. You you get a chance and you take it for the gospel. You you, you There's not uh, – faith and risk is just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the voices around you, you just don't listen to them and you tune into the Holy Spirit and do the thing that's right for people – do the thing that's right for uh, the church, the thing that's right for the community. So that what you're saying in the stories you've heard, that's my childhood. Yeah. That's my so childhood. So I'm super eager to take it to where you yeah. are now, but yeah. I don't want to get there yet. Yeah. Uh, so so here you are, senior in high school. Yeah. You're feeling the call yeah. on, toward the ministry, even at that point. Absolutely. Was there anything else that you were wrestling with? Like, were you considering doing anything else? There- I thought about coaching. I mean, it was kind of like, that. That it's a great, I've always heard, when guys, young guys or ladies say, Phil, call the ministry. How do you know you call ministry? I always say, if you can do anything else yeah. and enjoy it, do it. But if you know, like, if, like that's a, it's like, well, I think I could do this. Well, if you can do, if there's anything else you know, I could go do this and be happy and serve mm. at the church or or, or, or or be involved in missions. Or For me, there was like nothing. I thought coaching, maybe teaching. I wasn't a great athlete, but I just liked the, the role of the coach, which is mm-hmm. kind of what you do as a pastor right. in some ways. Um, and so I saw that, 
that was it. But really, it was for me. It was like, now I'm going to do this. I didn't see the senior pastor. My dad flourished as an executive pastor. Right. Um, his his job as a senior pastor, uh, when he was a senior, it was in tough churches, tough situations, and then he really flourished. So I, I kind of intuitively thought, well, maybe I'll be an executive pastor, right? You know, and and just because I'd seen that flourish, and so when I went to college and um, you, and you know through seminary, shorter. shorter, yeah, and and enjoyed my time there. I'm back there on the board of trustees at shorter, oh, really? yeah, Fantastic. and so in. Enjoyed my time at Shorter in Rome, and then came back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, served at Hebron for a season, and enjoyed it. Um, I wanted. I felt like, and, and Larry and I laugh about this now. You, you come back to the church you grew up in, you're a little bit like Jesus in his hometown. Like, <laughs> ah, come on, it's cute, Jason. It's the truth. Turn, yeah. And so it was good, but I knew it wasn't, and so we enjoyed it. My friend, so uh, names that some of your listeners, Kevin Queen and I, yeah. served together. Yeah. Um, we were youth pastors, college pastors together, and we were here like oh one to oh three, oh four, and then I, I just went back to seminary. James, right. I, I did some itinerant speaking. My wife was teaching in Gwinnett County. We didn't have kids; she mm-hmm. had the insurance. I could <laughs> I could go to seminary, make a little bit of uh, money traveling and speaking, and so I did that while I finished seminary. Uh, landed back at uh, Twelve Stone for a few years out of nowhere. I mean, it really wasn't was something I was looking for. Enjoyed my time. I had a great time with Kevin and Dan and uh, Kevin Myers and Dan and those guys. And then I was I had done a spiritual formation campus pastor, a couple of different things for them for five or six years there. And it was in the transition again, knowing my formative years because I do think it's so important in leadership that so much of your formation, God is preparing you for what he's going to do. So you have to remember, I saw all I saw growing up was Hebron moving and going and shaking. I go to 12 Stone and I watch that church go from crossroads to 12 Stone. Right. Transition locations. What I'm doing now. Right. uh, Take a church from one site to multi-sites. What I've got. And so you don't realize it until you look back and go, does the Lord prepare you the whole way? Right. Right. In hindsight, it, 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 I'm always, really, I'm always blown away by yeah. it, where, where you'll see little episodes or chapters of your life that you kind of almost scratch your head over. You say, why did that take place? And, and, and some of them good, and frankly, some of them bad. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And you say, what's that all about? And then 15 years later, you go, aha, yes. that's why. You yeah. know, that, that God was literally using that event to prepare you, yeah. you know? All right, so 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 I'm, I'm so fat. Like, yeah. you, you get this. Awesome opportunity yeah. to see two churches yeah. explode. just explode, explode. Yeah, in a absolutely. good way, not in a bad way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they yeah, just take off, you know, yeah. uh, these churches. Uh, at what point in time do you do you feel called to be the lead guy? And frankly, I already know the story a little bit just because we've hung out. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do love the story of kind of how yeah. you landed where you're at and everything. Sure. So, but, but tell me kind of what does that look like? What's taking place in your life during that period? Yes, I, it was a... Probably about a six month a year. I never thought about being a lead pastor, senior. I really haven't. You really haven't. I, so the respect mm. of Dan Rylan as right. executive pastor. My, I, I, I was like, I'll go learn from the best of right. being an executive pastor, and then maybe the right opportunity. And again, I think some of that was my dad flourished as a number two guy. He he struggled in as in the senior seat, right. just because of the setting he was in. Right. He'd been a great senior. He was a great senior pastor. It was just tough settings. Right. And then when he got to the number two seat, he really flourished. Right. And, and well, there's a different level of responsibility when you're the when you're that lead, the lead yeah, guy, it rests on your shoulders. I mean, you I was a, with a buddy. That, uh, his daughter goes, you're Anson McMahon. He's at yeah. Emmaus Church. He and right. I were talking, and uh, he, we were just on a podcast like this, and I said, until you've sat in the chair. Right. You know, it's just, a, it's not better. It's just different. Right. You know, it's not like you're more, you know, more holy, more. No, you're just, you're just in a different seat. Right. And, and it's just a different feeling. So it was about 2010, 11. Uh, our kids were really young. We only had two at the time. And, and my wife, I just kind of said, you know, if the right situation ever came along, loved my time at 12 Stone. We had plans to be there, was buying a house to stay there. Hmm. So there was no, uh, I loved it. I mean, you know, that was kind of where we were going to camp out for the next season. And we just loved what God was doing there. Mm-hmm. And I just told my wife, you know, I don't, I'm not a planter. I know there's a different DNA for being a church mm-hmm. planter. I feel like if something ever came along, that there were some, a bit so some pieces and just a good 
um, you know, something I feel like I could step into. I could see myself maybe being a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. That's all I said. And that was it. And my wife goes, my wife, who's, if you know her, she's a woman of few words. She walks with the Lord, super humble spirit, doesn't want to be heard uh, as far as doesn't want to stand on stage. But she just goes, well, I've kind of been waiting. That's what she said. Yeah, she was like, yeah, everybody, I see that. There's a lot of people that see that. You've just never vocalized it. And so then November of 2010, First Baptist Bethlehem says, hey, I had a buddy who was down there, and they've been without a pastor for about a year. Would you come do it? This is this will be old school, James. Homecoming. <laughs> Would you come do sure. a homecoming? Yeah. You know homecoming I Sundays? Do. yeah. And, and so I was at 12 Stone, and obviously I didn't teach every weekend. Kevin Myers did that. And so I was like, absolutely, I'd love to. And that was it. I was just like, and I even had a guy ride down with me who was who was not on staff, just went to 12 Stone. And, it, and I knew First Baptist Bethlehem was going to be a different vibe, different feel. And I just told him driving down there, I'm like, man, I don't know how it's going to be. I, you know, I was just kind of warning him, churches are different. You know, right. not everybody knows that. Everybody right. thinks. And so, and I got down there. They've been without a pastor for about a year, but there was just a good spirit. Right. There was a good energy. Uh, there were some solid people. And I remember standing up at the second service, and they were, well, first service was really small, second service. I remember thinking to myself on stage, man, I knew growth. I knew community mm-hmm. growth. And what I meant is I knew Gwinnett was pushing out, and mm-hmm. Athens was pushing mm-hmm. out, and 316 is the main corridor. It is, sure is. So I think to myself while I'm standing on stage, man, if somebody got a hold of this thing, something could go here. That's it. I didn't think, I just didn't think of myself. I just thought if somebody, the right person stepped into this thing, something could go here. Because, I mean, the the location, you know where it's at. It's a great mm-hmm. location. Oh, perfect yeah, location. Yeah, a killer location. So that's all I thought. And then the next day, who you know, who's at the school, but Anthony Torben. Mm-hmm. Anthony was the chairman of the pastor search committee. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah, back then. And so Anthony called me and said, man, we would love to talk to you. And uh, we just began a conversation. And, again, I was very slow because I grew up in the Baptist church world, and the idea of taking over a small little historic Baptist church sounded terrible to me. Mm-hmm. So I meant, like I was meaning more, take over a church with a 1,000 people. That, that maybe <laughs> need. I didn't know two or 300. I didn't know with deep and rich tradition and history because right. Bethlehem was a great church wherever I got there. Right. Um, and so they began a conversation, and I went into it going, I'm going to ask all the questions that to the pastor search committee that like they're gonna go no way we don't want this kid yeah i was just going to say i'm just going because we love 12 stone you were how old at that time 32 32 uh we love 12 stone so we had no i'm like i'm gonna ask the hard questions and they're like no way this kid's crazy we know our answer so like i don't believe in and i was just i shouldn't say i don't believe in i was i church governance wise i'm not for committees and for elders Mm -hmm. they go we agree like you know, and I'm I'm not I'm not going to preach politics. Uh, the guy before me had been a, he's a politician, great guy, mm-hmm. but that just wasn't going to be me. And they were like, well, we don't want that. And there was a couple other things I pushed on, and everything I pushed on, they kept going, we agree. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know what I mean? That <laughs> but, was kind of even, even right down to the name of the place, right? Uh, yeah, they I were mean, like, they were like, hey, well, you know, what's our the last question they asked me, Jane? I think we, I'm glad we talked about it. what's our limiting factor. And I, and I was like, well, here goes. And I wasn't even going to bring this up. I just go, you know, your name's First Baptist Bethlehem. I said, and what I mean by that is, you know, people think nothing wrong with that, but this is a Baptist church that's been here. And and, mm-hmm. and I, I basically said, you know, when you, if you, they agree, basically, long mm-hmm. story short. They were like, we agree. And I'm like, well, here we go. And that was January, February of 2011, and then mm. uh, right there the last week, for, last week of March, first week of April, I started like the week before Easter of 2011. I became the pastor of First mm. Bethlehem. Were you in that same location where you are? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the school was right behind it, just the one building. There wasn't there wasn't fields or what anything like that. But yeah, the 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 building that's the worship center now is wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, there was two buildings, and, and so it was there. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, the parking lots weren't there. I mean, the all the stuff that's there now. So it was a blast. And and, and they were running was, like 300-ish. Yeah, 300. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, now, now you guys you guys now have three campuses. Yeah. Tell, tell me what that growth looks like. Because, again, like like we started this conversation where, where you were in this beautiful kind of leadership incubator yes. uh, under Larry Wynn, yeah. under Kevin yeah. Myers, yeah. Uh, heroes like yes. Dan Ryland. Yes, you know, like, and so you're, you're, you're in this kind of incubator with these guys uh, of risk, 
yeah. of being a gospel-centered, yeah. you know, gospel-proclaiming church. What does that look like for you to for you to take the steps from going from a three hundred person church yeah. to now a church that's running like five thousand? Yeah, five, yeah, yeah. It's it's been wild. And I would tell you this: I never saw what it is now. I knew it could be more than what it was. Mm-hmm. I knew God had more. God wasn't done. And, and but to see what it is now, I didn't. I, there was never like a master plan. It was mm-hmm. like hey, mm-hmm. this could be more than it was. Let's just be faithful. Um, so much of my leadership, it's like, was leading change, you know? And so like walking in and going oftentimes, and you've led here, how many years you've been here now? Going into my fourth year Okay. Here. So there's just, even as great as school as Hebron was, there's just every season you've had to lead different seasons to change. That's right. And you're doing that even now. Right. I'm sure you're Absolutely. just in the midst of that. Yeah. And, and so that's probably the – I understood church. I understood church language. I understood how church people think, especially Baptist. I just, I just knew it. And so there was a part of me that was able to lead because I could communicate in a way that I could talk about moving forward without threatening the past. Mm-hmm. But that is change. That's very yeah. That's talk a great about moving point. moving forward without threatening the past, and so uh, so much. You and I know change is different. Right. The hard part of leading change in any organization is not that you are convincing them to do something they don't want to do. Most most of the time, people aren't against new, but that uh, uh, but that idea of of change means there's a sense of loss and there's emotion. So in church. In transitioning a church, you're not dealing with people in reality. Most of the time, you're dealing with people in emotion. Sure. Uh, and 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 dealing and, and as I led forward, it was just understanding as you began to cast vision for the new and go, what if? And and so much of change, James, was not uh, constructing. The new, but it was deconstructing what needed to move away mm-hmm. so we could move mm-hmm. into the new. So much of change was like not saying, hey, this would be great, and this mission statement, and this uh, vision, and this endeavor, and this ministry. That's easy. Mm-hmm. The hard part of an organization is is knowing what to stop, mm-hmm. knowing what needs to change, sure. and knowing how to change that. You know, you know, and, I, and it's not bad or, or good. It's just yeah. we're time to do different. And that was so much of my early days. Yeah, I I, I find it, particularly in church work, and I, th- I think it's maybe more true in church work than even than in school. Uh, in church work, so oftentimes people confuse the message mm-hmm. with the method. Oh yeah, and that that the message of the gospel shouldn't change. But the method has to. Yes. And I think sometimes people get hung up over the idea of a method, like yeah. we're going to sing only traditional yeah. hymns, and and even at the expense of the growth of the church. Yeah. Uh, I remember sitting with a group a group of older folks at a previous ministry, and uh, and I said, you know, they they wanted tr- very traditional music, like sure. old fashioned, sure. you know, nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, and uh, and I, I challenged them. I said, you know, how, how many of you guys are your grandkids coming to this church? And none of them were. There wasn't a, actually a, not a single one of the people who were in the room. Their grandkids were going there. And I said, listen, this is the challenge for you. You have to determine yeah. whether your preferences are going to actually be in front of the importance of sharing the gospel. That's good. And if, if, we, if we aren't willing to alter the method and update the method so that the message is clearer to yeah. a new generation, yeah. then we're really placing our preferences above eternity. Yeah. And, and that's the challenge. Uh, I'd love to say those people responded and, and they all like, you know, bought electric guitars or something yeah. like that. No. Uh, they didn't. Like, yeah. they, you know, they were, real, like they were very much against the idea. And they really actually, that particular group of people actually chose to say, no, we want it the way that we want it. And every, you've seen it here at Hebron Christian. I saw it at Bethlehem and we'll continue. Everything that's happening, every ministry, every initiative, every program at a church at one time was a good idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most churches right. just don't do something right. to do something. And what you're dealing with when you change is you're dealing with oftentimes the emotion that's attached because somebody started that, because somebody was significant right. with that, because somebody's family member yeah. was yeah. connected with that, because that was a big deal in their life right. at this time. So that's what I'm saying. You're dealing When you're changing, you're dealing with – I always uh, – talking to pastors, they go, how do you know what to change? I always say examine the fruit. That's Right. Of a ministry, not the intent. That's right. Every ministry, every program, the intent is so much about 
yeah, this was good. The fruit is how you go. Are we seeing the results, the fruit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in people's lives and in the life of our church from this? And if not, oftentimes that just means the shelf life or the influence of this has, has it's time to, and so that was so much of the early days and what God did for me was as we did transition, you lose a few people, we were gaining at such a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. It was like, even though there were a few voices that were kind of the, hey, you Interesting. know. Interesting. Yeah. They didn't, candidly, you and I, it didn't matter. Right. So it's hard to disagree with growth. Like, it's hard to disagree with What I'm saying is people were yeah. started being baptized, the room started being right. full. Um, <clears throat> and your auditorium at that time sat how 400, many people? 400, okay. 450. And so we started doing one, two, three. I was doing Saturday night and three on Sundays. Good night. Yeah. And I was young. Kids were young. We had our third one there. And it was just moving. Then we went to dual venues. We turned a fellowship hall into another worship center. We did dual venues, which was really preparing us for multi-site. So you were you were on, on in that venue. Yeah. You were two on screen. Two live bands. I was on screen. Again, the church went from... And Bethlehem's so solid. I mean, So I, here, here, interesting. And here's where I'll tell you. I always say, you could say this too. I get a lot of the credit at Bethlehem, but the reality is it was a perfect storm. And the people that were, there was a core group of guys, I can name them by name, and their families, and they were just with me and they had my back. Yeah. And they were the influencers. Yeah. And one of the, there are people who are actually influencers at the church, and there are people who think they're influencers. That's right. That's You've right. got to make sure you know who the influencers That's right. are. And that's what I mean, the relationship and the character and yeah. the time in and the respect. Yeah. And these guys were with me, so we just started blazing trails. So we're doing dual venues. And then... A multi-site on the same site. On the same site, yeah. So two bands drive. The church went from nobody had ever seen me one time on a screen. Our technology was awful. I mean, it was just like uh, one wow. of my friends at 12 Stone, he came down and visited one day, and, he, and, and Kevin and... I laugh about this now, Kevin Myers. He goes, he went back to 12 Stone. He goes, dude, they're doing it, and everything about their technology is awful. <laughs> it's crap. It was. It was awful. It was. It, I mean, we didn't have no money and nothing. Yeah. And the guy was just doing this. is 12 and 13 and 14. And so you're doing dual venues, two worship bands. And I would, I wouldn't, you wouldn't know why I was going to preach it. I'd drop down on one or the other. And, and then 15, 16, we kind of, the building that we have now, we just were like, how? Because we've tried to buy land forever. We, and it just never worked out. And we basically dropped a box in the middle of uh, our two other buildings that set 950 seats. And we figured out how to put parking out there. And so <laughs> it's we a beautiful built, building. Too. Yeah. yeah. It, beautiful. It, and it's, it's about to be Bethlehem Christian's property. Yeah. And so they can have it. And I'm going to bless them with it. <laughs> uh, and so <clears throat> by blessing with them, they're paying for it. That's they're right. going to get it. Uh, but yeah, it's been great. So we opened that in fall of 2017. Okay. And at the same time, Right around that time, into 2016 and early 2017, Beth Abra, which is now our 211 campus, okay. began a conversation with us. Going, they were 20 or 30 people. This is an unbelievably cool story. Not many people know. I had began going, I think this, I knew multi-site. Sure. I think the story of what God's done here, God wants to do in other churches. And I just, I didn't mean like we were going to, uh, you know, have other churches or, or, you know, I was looking for, I was just talking about multi-site and the general, I think the, the story of what God done revitalizing mm-hmm, a mm-hmm, church mm-hmm. could happen other places. Well, there was a guy that would sit in our service named Neil. He goes to the 211 campus and Neil heard that. And, and Neil and his wife, Leslie, they would drive back to their church. Their family had been in for generations and they would sit in the parking lot at Beth Abra. And they would cry because before they would go in to teach Sunday school or before they go in to go to their worship service, they'd come to Bethlehem early. No way. Then they be, and then when he heard me say that, God is my witness, I never met the man, he began to pray that Beth April would be the first no camp. And, way. and so, so all this happens, the conversation begins between me and the pastor at the time. And, you know, I'm like, let's get some of your influencers. And I sat with them and I go, is there anybody else? And he says, there's a family. It's been here forever. I really need to get him in. And I knew, I've been around Baptist churches, whoever this guy was, he'll make or break it. I went to vacation in Destin, think, told, tell my wife it's a long shot. I'm like, you know. You're just dealing with people with church. I don't know how to go. And mm-hmm. that that pastor shared with this uh, guy, Neil, said, hey, man, I think. And he began to, and the guy began to cry in the meeting. 
He said, a year ago, my wife and I began to pray for this. No. Never had met him, never had talked to him, and then that happened. Neil and Leslie Bramlett, they're at the 211 campus now. Fantastic people. And so we adopted them, absorbed them. They became a part of Bethlehem, and then we launched that campus back in – it's a zoo right now. You know, they've just got – we got all kind of great problems up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the same thing happened in Oconee, the Oconee campus. And it's just been a conversation I had. One thing led to the next. And, and here we are. And it's such a crucial aspect of leadership. And you're familiar with Henry Blackaby oh, yeah. study experiencing God. I know that's, that's, a, that's a bit. Find what God's doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that, that was such an influential study for me as a young, as a young leader. I w- and uh, funny enough, I would say probably one of my most in, top five it? most influential. I had the chance to, to meet Henry and actually drive for him on a weekend one time. And it was like, he's like a Christian Yoda. I mean, it was yeah. really pretty cool. You yeah. know? Uh, but, it, but anyway, that, that, that just that central adage of Henry's uh, mindset is God is always at work around us. Yes. What we need to do is really find where he's working and yeah. then join him in it. Yeah. Right. So often when I'm speaking to young leaders, they're, they're talking about how to orchestrate this change. Right? Yes. And, and, and what you've done is you've, you've shared several stories here today where the Holy Spirit is yeah. working at the main campus. Yeah. He's working in the people. He's changing their hearts. They're looking for something new. They're looking for a, a, a different method sure. to share the same message. Yeah. Right. And, and what you've done has been so audacious has to actually do what God says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and so often we think, well, Hopefully. somehow it has to be our wisdom or our intellect or our, you know, strategies to get to this point when really, really God wants to step in. He yes. wants, he wants to send that new spirit into people. What it is in most of our hearts is we've learned how to repress the Holy Spirit because we actually don't want to do what he says mm-hmm. an awful lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. And I, and I think the role of the leader is, <clears throat> If you, and I know you're talking to leaders on this podcast. The role of the point leader, if you make it about yourself, you're going to get stuck in pride and you're going to get stuck in not letting it be about the movement of God and what he's doing. That's but right. you're, and so I, I have found that the, the biggest thing, you have to be willing, when you're leading audacious change mm-hmm. and risk, mm-hmm. When you're leading change, you've got to be willing to take the arrows. That's right. Because I'm, I'm skipping through a lot of arrows here. Yeah. And, but not take it personally. Right, right. And you're going to have to have people who are going to dislike you. Yeah. Any decision you make, you're yeah. going to have some for you and some against yeah, you. Yeah, and, 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 and you have to realize it's not personal. It's tied to what God's asking you to do. It's tied mm-hmm. to the position God's put you in. Mm-hmm. And so that that's and, – and I would tell you that that's the biggest young guys that I talk to. It's like um, – you know, you've got to be comfortable with the reality that there's just there is pressure in not growing. There's pressure in staying the same, mm-hmm. but there's pressure in we want the we want the um, privileges of leadership sometimes without the responsibility. Absolutely. The I, I want to I want to do a podcast and let everybody listen to my talks and download me and that's what we want. That's right. I want to be the guy that goes. This is my church or this is my thing. There the, the privileges right. that you're tied right. to it, but you, but you don't listen, want the weight. Woo. That's right. <laughs> it's just a responsibility to it because here's the thing. Everybody at Hebrew Christian Academy that works here and goes here, they go home and go to bed at night. You're the one that has to wrestle with the big things mm-hmm. that nobody knows about. That's right. I mean, everybody, I mean, and so that you're the one that God stirs in and wrestles with and has to lead through. And that, and that it, it's not a better, but that's just the responsibility of right. it. Sometimes that responsibility uh, can get hijacked because all you see is the privileges. That's and right. then it becomes pride and becomes my brand and it becomes yeah. my thing. Yeah. And so I just think the more you go, um, I, I've just realized that the more responsibility the Lord is giving us, you know, authority and influence uh, doesn't doesn't mean power; it means mm-hmm. responsibility. That's right. When God gives you authority and influence, you know, spiritual authority and influence in a community, that does not doesn't mean Bethlehem is any power. I have any power. It means God has given us responsibility. That's right. We've got, we've got to constantly war against the pride that is in our hearts. And yeah. I, don't, I don't care who you are. At, at some level, if you're going to lead, there takes a certain amount of confidence, almost like a swagger, to be able to say, I'm going to lead. We're going we're gonna to push forward with this new enterprise. We're yep. going to push forward with this new building. Yep. We're going to launch this, like you guys have just launched yep. this Absolute, massive campaign. Massive. Yep. You know, that ultimately, if, if that goes down in a flame of glory, 
there's nobody else who's getting the finger yeah, pointed at them other than yeah, you. So yeah. there's a certain amount of swagger that takes place with that. And I've always looked at the idea of confidence and arrogance. There's a thin line between it. And particularly during my 20s and 30s, man, I had to war against that sure. multiple times a day. Yeah. Uh, and it's frankly why Philippians 2, 3 is so important to me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or yeah. vain conceit, but in all things consider others before yourself. Sure. It's that mindset, you know, of this idea. I chat with young leaders regularly, and they're, they want to talk about strategies. They want to talk about, okay, well, how did, how did this happen at this, this institution? How did this growth take place? And my, question, my first question to them always is, tell me about your walk with the Lord. Sure. Tell me about the time you're spending in sure. God's word. And they want the strategies without understanding that the Holy Spirit's going to direct you through your personal time with him. Right. You know, which is so crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, end of the day, what the Lord is doing, the Lord is always working in you before the word, Lord is working through you. Absolutely. And there's a lot Absolutely. of people that have great gifting I think one of the interesting studies in Scripture is anointing uh, versus gifting. Mm-hmm. And, and gifting in our culture, uh, man, I think the Lord can, uh, but I think anointing is when that the Lord is doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, R.T. Kendall wrote that book, The Anointing. is one of the pivotal books in that he, he chooses to anoint, to do for somebody, to lay his, what they can't do for themselves. And that keeps you in place of humility. Mm-hmm. And, and all of us have pride. The, the, the reality is if I understand I've got pride, I'm always wrestling and fighting for humility. That's right. And so nobody's born prideful or excuse me, nobody's born humble. We're all born with the sin bent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that expresses itself as pride. And so you're always warring against pride. You're warring against selfish mm-hmm. ambition. Mm-hmm. Romans 12 I read yesterday, so far as it depends on you. That's right. Live at peace. Live at peace. Yeah. So far as it, if it's possible, mm-hmm. live at peace. Well, what is that? It's a posture of humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Relationally. That's right. You know, it's a posture right. of humility relationally. And and I'm, you know, I think that in, in just that begins to have, we begin wanting to make a mark, see our significance and and I'm I'm low on I, I'm not low, I'm not low like I've just done a lot of things in my life I'm, I haven't set out to write I might one day I haven't set out to I don't have Jason Britt's personal uh, coaching life you know what I mean <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't I'm not huge on social media I right. do a lot of things that I don't think is wrong for other people but it's my way of fighting pride that's right. It's my way of keeping my focus at the church God's called me mm-hmm. to. I don't. There's other guys that can do it and do it well. I'm all for it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying at some point I won't. I'm giving you very practical. What yeah, does that absolutely. look like? Absolutely, right. I don't have right. a jasonbritt.com. I don't have a big Twitter follower. I've got, and I don't put a lot on Instagram unless it's my, I'm not going to be the preacher with sneakers guy, man. You know, <laughs> it's just like, no, nah, man. Uh, I I just have done a lot in I, and the reason I do it's not because it's right or wrong. It is my warring against pride, right? Warring against right. Br- my brand, warring right. against everything in our culture that builds celebrity. Good for you and pedestal platform. I'm giving you a practical example. That's right. That that is a personal conviction for me in this season. I'm a father. I'm a husband. God's called me to Bethlehem. Right. And, and there may be a different season that I do something differently, um, which I hope not. But, but this, so there, I think you have to find what are the personal things that you mm-hmm. fight against pride. That's right. You fight against it being all about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You fight against, and that's how you fight for humility. You know, you, you mm-hmm. find the things that you know would swell you up. That's right. And you fight against it. And you it. run away from it. You run away. Yeah. And that's just me. Again, yeah. some guys can do it, and they're great, and God use them. I'm not, don't hear me saying I think that's wrong. I just mm-hmm. know for me. For you, yeah. Jason. Yeah. Uh, Jason would, if Jason lets himself, he could be a he could be a fan of himself. Yeah. And so I want to choose God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. Do nothing out of selfish ambition right. or selfish, you know, nothing. Right, and so that's been a big, big, big call in my life, and a big personal thing I've had to wrestle with. I know that in humility, and you are jumping in on an enormous project. Yes, uh, I drive by the new land all the time. I'm watching the earth yeah. move, and you know, uh, tell us a little bit about what that's going to be. Tell us a little bit. Uh, it, it changes your organization majorly, very like in a huge way. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about what God's doing there. Yeah, so we the we've been on the same property with our school for since I've been there. The school's grown, and so they are buying our property. We just have we've always been landlocked, mm-hmm. and uh, the three sixteen on one side, the other side, it was just always a difficult um, 
you know, to get that land. We tried for years. And this opportunity came up right up the road on Highway 53. If you know the area, 316-53, it's the next big development. Mm -hmm. And we just got a chance to be right there. And 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 the reality was coming out of COVID, you know, we kind of were talking about it, COVID, everything kind of goes on pause, what the world going to be, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. We came out of it, this opportunity came – and so it's a 90,000-square-foot building. I mean, it'll awesome. seat 1,800. Um, it'll be uh, student ministry, kids ministry, uh, Bethlehem Buddies. We'll actually have adequate parking. Uh, it'll be kind of the main hub, uh, if you will, the central campus. And then we're expanding it to, uh, to a level. We're actually in the process. By this fall, we'll be able to show uh, extended of our campuses what we're going to do. So we started with 316, and then we're going to uh, finish with those. And so we will be, right now, um, it's the foundations being laid. The walls, you probably, if you drive by in July, you'll see the walls up. Mm. And so the fall of 24 is kind of go date. Very so cool. we've got one more last year. And, and ultimately, our area is growing rapidly. We had to expand our footprint. You know, we, I mean, our greatest obstacle right now, very candidly, is, is space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I mean, it is a, I don't even have an office at the church anymore simply because I gave it up for a BCA class. No kidding. Yeah, no, I don't have an office. Wow. Uh, all our staff's mobile. I mean, we're meeting at the campuses. We're just in, you know, church plant pioneer mode right now. And we've been doing it for a long time, but right. we just kind of where we're at. And so, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, it's good. It'll have a big group. The new space will be, we're very much committed to the community. I mean, that's one of the things I think the church should be the thread. The church should be the greatest force for good in the community. It should be, I always say, you may not agree with what we teach or believe, but we're going to make it really hard for you to argue this, argue this community is not better because we're here. That's right. And so, uh, there'll be a lot of community partnerships we're able to do. Um, at the at the new facility, well, one of our pieces of it will be a place where we can host community events, where uh, this group can host this group. All of those things, we're trying to build a place that for a long time uh, can serve a rapidly growing community. It's kind of on the corner of Barrow and Oconee. It's about mm -hmm. two miles from where we're at now, mm -hmm. 1.8, 1.9. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was a major endeavor. We're in the midst of the, because we're calling it the because initiative. Mm -hmm. First John, we love because he first loved us. Everything, awesome. everything we do is because we are doing this because of what all God has done and because of what God has done. How can we not believe he wants to do more? I love that. And so this, we're just calling it the because initiative. And we are $27 million initiative. Uh, yeah, 27. We, we have pledged 31 and a half of the 27. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's again, the, the, my budget in 2011 was $9,000 a week. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, that our, our annual wow. budget at Bethlehem was a little over half a million dollars 12 years ago. And so it's been cool. And the generosity of God's people. I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I was overwhelmed. It was, a, it was just when you begin and you have to do this, mm -hmm. when you begin to talk about where we're going to go, it includes dollars. There's right. nothing more. Everybody knows about senior leadership till you got to talk about money. That's right. <laughs> Man, that is a, you better wrestle things down with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and that was definitely a major threshold in my ministry was to, we'd always talked about giving, but when you begin to look at people going, do we really believe, what does it look like to take a next step, not just in obedience, but in mm -hmm. generosity? Mm -hmm. and, and really, God proved that. You're, you'll move in with no debt on me. No, the, we'll, there will be some debt. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It okay. won't be as much as it would have been. Right. Yes, no, there'll be some debt. This, the, if you hadn't heard, building's not cheap. That's yeah. Oh, I've heard. So, <laughs> no, no, there'll be, there'll be debt. Uh, but uh, a great partnership, very manageable, that's what awesome. we're doing, and nothing, <clears throat> nothing that's going to overwhelm us. But but uh, it's been a fun run. What does the relationship then look like between the church and the school? We've yeah, well, great I mean, sister school, yeah, great yeah, yeah, in the absolutely. Uh, we have been the parent organization for years, and in this, we will be sponsoring mm -hmm. uh, church. You know, partner supporting church. The finance, how would I say it? The legal ties won't be the same. Probably like you guys in mm -hmm. Hebron are. The legal ties. Yeah, yeah, we are now. But there's just a couple of things. Not a major deal. Right now, it's they've fallen under our parachute of ministry, elder board, school board, elder board trumps at the end of the day. A lot of those things will still stay in place. It's just any of the uh, legalities as far as financially, or uh, they'll just be separate because we'll be on two different properties. Mm -hmm. We've kept them somewhat together because we're on the same property. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the partnership's great. Anthony, who's the school board, Rhonda, who's your um, person at BCA who does what you do. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job, and it, it, it's great. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you balance, with all that's taking place, sure. how do you balance home life and a very busy ministry time? Yeah, um, that that's my wife is is probably the greatest voice in my life on that, and and we only get to be I'm only going to be a parent. We're in the teenage years. I have a 16 year old, a 14 year old, mm-hmm. and a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. My boy just started driving, uh, and so I'm only going to be a parent once. Mm-hmm. Bethlehem will another have another pastor. My kids won't have another dad. You know, I want to be the dad. You know, Great and so <clears throat> I try to say no to things uh, the best I should say try I do say no to things to say yes to them uh, we, we our kids love the church we 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 have always raised them the way I was raised what a blessing to be a part mm-hmm. how cool is it that God lets us be here mm-hmm. uh, my kids do and I think you could ask people at Bethlehem Christian we haven't done it all right but my kids do pretty well not wearing I'm Jason's kid mm-hmm. they're just one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't see it in any way at the school or the at the church. Uh, we don't see it in any way as a privilege. We're just we can't believe we get to serve mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. That's we right. get to see people saved, and so uh, I'm intentional. My kids, my 14, 16 year old, fourteen year old, I got them reading uh, Andy Stanley's old book on decision making, which <laughs> is I forget what it's called, uh, Walking Wisely or the Path, something. It's one of his older books. They're doing that this summer, so I do some intentional discipleship mm-hmm. there, where we're just talking about decision making. Right. choices of the right. will of God. That's right. You know, we're doing that. Um, we tried to do really well at, at, at family time, and now it's different. When they were little, we read a book. You know, now it's more we pray together at night mm-hmm. when we're home uh, before everybody goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we try to be inten- – I try to intentionally discipleship um, in their lives. They just got back from summer camp, and, and they loved it. And so uh, my son is, is becoming – I'm super proud to see the leadership – Gene, mm-hmm. gifting, mm-hmm. calling. He doesn't feel called to ministry yet. That's between him and God. He may not be, but I can see just some things the mm-hmm. Lord's doing to him, and I remember looking back going, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but so, my, my wife and I, we always tried to make the decision to let our kids in on the conversation. Like, we didn't we didn't, we didn't, want to... We didn't want to be doing things in the in the in the in the back room on what the future is going to be without involving the kiddos. And that doesn't mean that we didn't have private conversations on on things. But you know, every step of our ministry, we've tried to involve the kids yeah. in it, and then and then in that process to really be able to allow them to see the activity of the Holy Spirit for for them to understand that our best skill set is the ability to get out of the way and to let God have sway. Absolutely. Like that's our best skill set. Yeah. And 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 that's been something we've wanted to teach our kids. And now you know I've got a 26-year-old who's married and her husband's a pastor and she's a nurse and I've got a 24-year-old who is going to go into Christian education that's and cool. and you know like that they love the Lord, they love ministry, yeah. they haven't been jaded, they haven't been hurt. And like, that's what you want. Right. And that's you know you want to be able to show them the authentic gospel being lived out in a real way. Yeah. You know? And and that's been so the pre the pressure it, to me is that is not the pastoring and the the professional side, if you will, of our vocational calling. The pressure is the spiritual health and the culture of my family. That's right. I, I want to do that right. I want to, and so yeah, I have a great relationship with my kids, and my wife is the joy of my life. We've married twenty one years, and so um, she's she's a rock star when it comes to the home and. Uh, so it's been a good partnership, you know, and and just seeing where they're going to go, I'm super excited. But I just awesome. think it's like this is uh, – you have to make intentional decisions to say no to things, to say yes to them. It That's doesn't right. just, you can't You can't do both at a high level uh, without choosing one or the over. So I choose my family over the church, and mm-hmm. the church wants me to. That's right. You know, and so you just got to – you can't do them both – like and there's busy seasons. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I've been up here with my daughter's playing tennis yep. with you and yep. I'm leaving here to go to a meeting. That, that's, right. that's just part of it. They get that. Yeah. Um, but summertime is slower. So we try to make the most of it. And we had all their buddies last night at the house. We had after church, there's 20 kids swimming in our pool at 10, 30, 11 at night. <laughs> that's you know, awesome. my wife's heart was full and I'm like, yeah. I want to go to bed, you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> it, it was a blast. <laughs> so it's exciting times, but that's I appreciate awesome. You man, I tell you a book. Let me give you one book. I was going to tell you. Any of your listeners, you ever read Sam Chand? 
Um, it's called Leadership Pain. Okay. I'd say top five books I've read. As no far kidding. As I'll it, pick it up this Sam summer. Chan, C-H-N-D. Okay. Um, he's a believer, but he's a leadership coach. He wrote a book probably five or ten years ago, and it vocalizes. If you are in an organization like you and I are mm-hmm. leading change, uh, leading forward, the future is bright, but there's things that are going to look different. Like for me, I'm about to lead all the change we've been through in the next 24 months. I'll lead Bethlehem through more change in the next 24 months than I've led them through the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty we're terrifying. Going to, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I look at my staff. They're all going, this is going to be awesome. I go, listen to me. Everybody's going to go the first Sunday. This is fantastic. But, man, it's not like it used to be by week five. Yeah, that's right. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and oh, you're preparing great. yourself for it. You just got you got to know it's coming, yeah. man. That's the part of it. But that book, Leadership Pain, is a fantastic. Uh, okay. I always just say you want to like it doesn't get to the strategy; mm-hmm. it gets to the responsibility. Okay, and and it, he just articulates it well. And I've always said that one there. If I when I read it, I'm like, my God, that's what I've lived. Mm. That was it. I'm he put words to summer. it. Super good, super good. Just is again, he's solid. And what are you reading now? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going through a few different things. One, I'm reading "Not a Fan" by Kyle Idle. Yeah, uh, Kyle's and, and great. I'm, I'm preparing to teach through that with a group. I teach a men's Bible study here on That's Friday cool. mornings. Uh, Coaches, in, teachers, uh, parents, everybody. Okay, yeah, everybody. So it's. I mean, I really started it for parents, but I've got a lot of staff members in there, and they sneak out a little bit early to go to get to class on time. Uh, so I'm 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 going to be teaching through that. Uh, I'm doing a book on solitude, uh, by Barton okay. and I'm really enjoying, I just started that book just a couple of nights ago. I'm really enjoying that. And then in my devotional life, I'm just finishing up the book of Acts. And that's so, nice. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I am right now. There's a one I've, I started reading on, not, not to hijack us here. I just always am fascinated. <laughs> uh, the, Simon Sinek's latest, The Infinite Game. Have I you love read Simon that? Sinek. His latest. And he just talks about when you're playing an infinite game, which you and I are. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is in spiritual leadership, it never ends. Mm-hmm. But you play it like you're playing a finite game. Mm-hmm. Finite game is four quarters. Here's the rules. Here's the boundaries. Here's the beginning. Here's the end. But if you play the infinite game like you're playing the finite, finite game, you get in trouble. Mm. It's really good leadership okay. paradigm. Uh, I've real. I started reading it on vacation, and I got my senior staff at the church. I'm like, we're going to read this together because what we're doing is infinite. But the finite season we're in of relocating a campus and expanding at other campuses, we can mess things up That's if we're right. playing like playing this. Is, it's always going to be like this. Love that. And so, really good, man. I'm so big fans of what God's doing here. Absolutely, man. Christian. Listen, I'm, I'm super excited about the what the Lord's doing yeah. with you guys. Yeah. And uh, thank you for daring boldly in yeah. our area for the gospel. Wow. I'm very excited to see all that God's going to be doing. And it's a it's just a privilege to call you a friend and a yes. brother. Yes, And uh, excited to see what comes in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, bro. Thanks for coming yes, on the show. Sir. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joy of Leadership podcast. Living in the center of God's will is a rare blessing in today's day and age. Help us share this vital story of passionate leadership. If you would like to comment on the show, or if you know someone who would be a perfect guest, contact us at thejoyofleadership at gmail.com. If you like the show and don't want to miss a single episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.